Christian soldier, pick up your weapon. Let's fight the battle. We're not alone. For the angels have camped around us. We're not defeated. We'll soon be home. You believe that? you were just singing? Christian soldiers, pick up your weapon. What is it? Faith. When everything in the world, people are depending on what's out there, we're depending on one thing. This word that God promised, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'll be with you from the beginning till the end. Doesn't matter how wicked it is, how many things that are out there. We can see right now, there is in the world, there is in another realm, there's a great battle going on. Demons are out there, but we are also here and angels are around us. Amen. That was such a good song, Brother Ray. So in line with where we are, our thoughts and feelings are tonight. God bless you. I want to welcome you all to the service Wednesday night, but as it was prayed, God bless you, Brother Jeff. Doesn't matter if it's a Wednesday or what it is. We're going to have a good time in the Lord. Amen. This weekend, we've got Brother Kelly Hildebrandt for both services. Let's be praying. God will anoint our brother. Use him for our benefit. And also, I believe it is daylight saving this weekend. So you've got to wake up early. That means get a little earlier to bed on, on Saturday. Does that sound right? Is it? <laughs> Some people were nudging each other. Is this the weekend? Is that right? I think it is. Okay, good. Some people were nudging each other because they don't want to go to bed early. Anyway, we'll do that. Amen. I just want to mention a couple needs. We're going to go to prayer. There's a brother in, uh, in Turkey. He's from Iran, and we mentioned him the other night. Brother Omid, he is a brother who is being questioned because of his stand for the message. And uh, the authorities, he had an interview with the authorities. It did not go well. They didn't pass a judgment. But he's got a young family. He's got a wife who's expecting. He's got a young daughter. There's a possibility this brother could go to prison for the message. I believe God can change any situation. There's also some believers in China just been arrested for selling Bibles. God remembers his people wherever they are. And then last of all, many of you heard Brother Ron Spencer has been undergoing treatment for lung cancer and also in his lymph nodes. And uh, he had some issues with his eyes. They did a scan and an MRI, and they've discovered several tumors in his brain. And uh, it's quite serious. They want to operate. The operation will be on, on uh, Friday. And uh, just was in fellowship with a number of ministers. And we just started talking about what God did for Brother Darren Boyer's daughter. What God did for Brother Kadri Diggs, who healed him of brain cancer. And we just started testifying. And the more we started testifying, the more we realized this demon is nothing in the hands of a believer and the people of God. And I said, the same God is here. The same people are here. The same faith is here. And we're going to stand together as an army. Amen. So we want to remember those needs just as we go to prayer. How many else would just say... Brother Ed, we have needs. How many will just agree together? 
that we're going to pray together. We're going to go to the Word. We'll have a little prayer yet, but let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we're here this evening. Lord, it's been a battle just to get here. But we want to thank you that we can be in the house of the Lord. Father, we have not been called to a picnic. We have not been called to a bed of roses. Father, we are Christian soldiers. Father, within us lives the spirit of the king. Within us, O oh Lord, is the faith that, Lord, you are going to be with us and walk through us, even through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord. And, Lord, there's death all around us. But, Father, we're walking with you, and we're standing with you. We want to ask you, Lord, for this brother Omid in Turkey who is standing there. Lord, we're asking you'll change the situation. You're the same God that opened the doors for Peter, Lord, in prison, Lord. You can open the doors for this brother, for his family, Lord. Be a shield about him, Lord, we ask you. Father, we remember the believers in China. Lord, as they're standing for the gospel. Father, every nation is falling apart. But Lord, your word, your kingdom is coming into power. May you, O oh Lord, be with your people. And Father, for our brother Ron, we recognize this is an attack of the enemy. Lord, we do not stand for it. We do not fear it. But Lord, we stand in the name of Jesus Christ. And as an army, we stand together. Lord, may you come now, even as we take the word. Lord, you know that it's not our emotion. It's not us, Lord, but it's you. And we're inviting you to come. Be in the word. Anoint it to our hearts. Anoint the people. Father, we're here as a living organism. We're here as a people tonight, Lord. Not just here, hearing a few words and going home. But, Lord, we're here to pick up the battle. To fight this battle to the end, Lord. We pray and ask you, you'll be with us. Lord, as we read the word now, we commit ourselves to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Good to see you all out. Let's turn in the Bible. Thank you for taking the time and playing. Let's go to the book of Habakkuk. That is on page 956, if you have the same Bible as me. But it's the book of Habakkuk. It's the fifth last book in the Old Testament. So if you need to start working backwards, you can. But the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2. I'm going to read from verses 1 to 3. I still like to read from a Bible. It's nice to have the words on the screen, but it's nice to have a Bible. Verse 1, I will stand upon my watch and set, upon, set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered and said, Write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. Notice, notice what it is. Write the vision, make it plain, so it's, it can be understood, that what? It would put us in action. Not that we just would be elevated in our thinking, but that we may run as we read it. Verse 3, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie, Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Amen. Amen. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'm going to also read two other places in the scripture. Psalms chapter 105. Psalms chapter 105. I was actually picking up something in the book of Hebrews, but these ones maybe will help me go into where I want to go to. Psalms 105, verse 6. O ye seed of Abraham his servant, you children of Jacob his chosen, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He hath remembered his covenant forever. And the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Just think about this. He hath remembered his covenant forever. 
the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. When he spoke to Abraham and he said, Abraham, there's promises for you, not just you, but your seed. And not just your natural seed, but your royal seed. And God remembers his promises. Verse 9, which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac, and he confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance. Let me interject for a moment. The natural seed of Israel, of Abraham, was given a natural land. That was theirs for a possession. That is still in dispute today. That is still being fought over today. But there's a determination with Israel naturally that this land is ours. Israel is against the whole world. And the whole world is coming against Israel. But if the natural seed can stand on a promise in the face of every nation in the world and say this is our land and, and ignore everything United Nations say, how much more the royal seed They've been promised a natural land. We've been promised a spiritual land. A land that's been purchased by God for us. Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance. When they were, now look, look at the context here. When they were but a few men in number. Yea, very few. And strangers. We are pilgrims and strangers. If you look at the book of Hebrews and the heroes of faith, there were very few, but they were, they were God's heroes. But the world thought they weren't even worthy of the world. But God, he, they're God's hall of fame. They're, and that's where we stand today. We stand as Hebrews 11, where those ones stood. But now let's just finish. When they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine anointed, do my prophets no harm. Let's go over to the book of Hebrews now, Hebrews chapter 12. I've actually taken my text out of Psalms 105. God remembers his covenant. There's a number of scriptures we could have taken in Hebrews, but for tonight I'm just going to take this one. Let's start in verse 23. Hebrews 12, verse 23. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who is Christ. He's the firstborn. Which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling, which speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. That's the mount in, in the book of Exodus. Whose, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he is promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifying the removing of those things which are shaken, as of those that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. There's a shaking going on, a great shaking. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. May God bless his word, and may he now just anoint us, both speaker and hearer. Right now there's another dimension where there are demons that, are, that have been held for many, many years. Some demons have been loosed. They've been walking the earth. The same demons that walked in the time of Genesis, 
the demons that walked in the time when Noah came out of an exodus, the demons that Jesus encountered, they're loosed on the earth today. And not only that, but there's 200,000, thousand demons that were at the river Euphrates and were loosed in this last day. And those demons are, were loosed on a natural people, the seed of Abraham. And we watched when they were loosed on the Jews, and there, it, it came as what we know as the Holocaust, the great world war that was here. There are some people who were affected by this war that are in this very room. I've got a mother who went through it as a 12-year-old girl and went through things that we couldn't even imagine that we would have our children go through. But those demons, it was a result of a demonic warfare. And that demonic warfare, it existed and it came against the Jews. In the sixth trumpet, it was 200,000, thousand demons that were being unleashed. And then they went against the Jews. They, weren't only, they didn't only persecute the men. But they persecuted the women. They persecuted the children. They were ruthless. They had nothing that they were sparing when they went out. Those same demons that they went out against a natural people, that was resulting in the termination of six million Jews. Those same demons are in the earth today. They are right in the earth today, and in an ecclesiastical way, they are coming against you. They are coming against me. They want to put fear on us. They want to put unbelief on us. They resist the plan of God. They are not of God. They are not your friends. You don't coexist with them. They are coming against us. Whether we recognize it or not, it's happening. It's in another dimension right now. And they are escalating in their tax. They are escalating in, in, in what they're coming to. In fact, they are more fervent. They are, are, they are, they are, 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 are more, if I, I don't know if I can say the right word, they are, are, are recognizing that their days are short. The Bible would speak in the book of Revelation chapter 12, the devil is coming, come down having great wrath, knowing that his time is short. This is right where we're at. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I need to paint a bit of a picture, and, and, and I need to do it just a little bit. Brother Bannon would speak, and this is in the message, Shalom. There's a sheet music that's being played out. Now, we've come to church like we've come to church many other Wednesdays. We've come in here, but I'm telling you, the church building we've come into may look the same, but the world that's outside is not the same. The world that was in 2019 is not the same. The world that was in 2010, it's not the same world. The world is more wicked. The world is entered a pre-tribulation mindset. Right now, there's the judgments of God. These are not the judgments of the devil. These are the judgments of God. We still are living under the dispensation of the mercy and the grace of the Lamb of God. But we are moving into a time cycle when it's going to be the wrath of the Lamb of God. And the judgments that are happening right now are the judgments that are the result of the rejection of God. They're the result of the judgments of God coming down on a generation. And they're happening all around us. Now... I, I've, I, I look at the events that are happening around the world, and there's things I, I want to put up, but I need to just stay focused on the time for tonight. But if we would look at the things that are happening, I, I ask the question, there's, they're leading up to another presidential race in, in the United States. And I ask the question, who will be the next president? And I, I almost feel like it's going to be the same guy. But it's, I'm asking the question, who is the last president? Who is the one that is needed to be in power in order to make scriptures fulfilled? I don't have any particular favorite in the race here, by the way. There, I, I, I really, to me, politics is revolting after a while. I can't even stand it anymore. But I'm just asking a question. Who's the last one? On Monday, Israel had its third election in about a year or a year and a half. And, and they could not come to a conclusion. And, 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 and I don't even know if they will out of this, but... The whole point being is Israel is a timepiece. 
There, there was an article, I, Lord willing, I'll put it up here one day. But in Israel right now, in the, in the natural land of Israel, there is uh, flowers that are blooming that have never bloomed for hundreds of years. The Bible says the desert will blossom like a rose. I'll tell you what, the earth is groaning. And God's eyes are on Israel. And, and God's watching over it. And things are happening that can't be explained. Things that are happening to a natural land. But things that are happening amongst the people. And I'll say this, the world is not the same place. We are living in a different time. I don't know if you can sense it, friends, but, but the sheet music is changing. The sheet music is moving, and we need to move with it. We can't just stay stagnant. We can't just stay and come to church like we always have. We need to enter into the spirit of what God is doing. Things are changing. And I'll say this, it, it, you see it to Israel, you see it to a natural world. Now I'll, I'll just inject as the Lord allows me here. The Bible said, this is in 1960, May 22nd, four days after I was born. You try and figure that out while I go to this quote. The adoption message, Brother Branham says... Do you think cancer is something? The Bible said there's a time coming when men will rot right in their flesh. The buzzards will eat off the carcasses before they die. Cancer is a toothache to what's coming. They're, tell, they're saying this virus will not be contained. You're going to walk somewhere and you might encounter somebody. Chances are great. I'll tell you what, I want to have the Holy Ghost. I want to have the angels of God beside me. Because what's happening is God sent an angel out to destroy. His judgments are in the land. And those judgments, but if you're sealed with the Holy Ghost, like it was in the first Exodus, you are safe. You are protected. That's where we want to be. You know, the Bible says, you know, there'd be a time of trouble. The text Brother Branham took in Psalms 27. There would be a time of trouble. And, 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 and all these things would come. And then David says, hide me. And look at the words he uses. He doesn't say, hide me in your tabernacle. Hide me in the secret of your tabernacle. The tabernacle is here, but the secret is the God that is here. The people that are connected with that God. The people that can walk with that God. We want to be in. We want to be in the secret place. Not just the tabernacle, not just the message, but walking with him, knowing he's there. <coughs> Cancer's a toothache to what's coming. And then Brother Bram says, but remember. <laughs> remember. The horrible thing, it was forbidden to touch those that had the seal of God. He said, that's what we're striving now to be positionally placed into the kingdom before these horrible plagues strike. The dispensation of time, the fullness of time. We're coming into it. Now, there's things I could say, but I need to move forward. Let's go to Revelations chapter 6 for a moment. <laughs> Now, if you actually take a parallel between the seals and the trumpets, there's a consistency. So, under the sixth trumpet, it is the release of 200,000 demons that go and they're loosed. It's for the Jews. It's loosed upon the Jews, but it actually parallels with the sixth vial. You can actually follow it through into Revelations chapter 16, I believe it is. And, and it also talks about the river of Euphrates and about how three unclean frogs would come forward. Brother Branham would actually say that those were the, the spirits of a trinity that were there. Now, where did they have their roots? They had their roots way back earlier. I, 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 I'm just dropping that in. But the sixth seal. The sixth seal is the total disruption of nature. The earth is groaning. And he says, And I beheld when he opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, 
And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell upon the earth, even as a fig tree covered the earth, even as a fig tree cast her untimely figs, when she is shaken of by a mighty wind. Everything that is shaken will be shaken. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. So we often attribute the sixth seal just to a natural, a natural disruption in nature. You know, we think about Moses and, and, and how he, he would disrupt you know, all of nature and do those things. But there's a reciprocal effect of this. And it says in verse 15, and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves. What were they hiding from? What was gripping their hearts? Listen, there are people. There are people who can hide themselves coronavirus. They don't have to worry about anything. But what are they worried about? The stock markets are falling. Where's my riches? Where's my economy? Where's everything going to go to? I'll tell you what, this is affecting the whole earth. You talk about China, a nation who is like a powerhouse, almost being crippled or brought to their knees because of a a little little germ. Don't think that God's not in control. God's in control. Don't put your trust in anything of the world. Put your trust in God. That's the only thing we've got. And they said they hid themselves. You know, while, while they're hiding themselves, we're hiding ourselves. Hide me in the secret of your tabernacle. Hide me in this place right now. And he said, and they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us. Hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. From the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? We are, we are, we are but, if you want to measure in time, we are but a, a, a short fragment from this coming into its fullness. It, don't, don't think for a moment that the world's going to come out of this and, 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 and have, like, be back on a bubble roller coaster. When they shall say, peace, 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 it'll, no, no. I'll, I'll tell you what, we're in a cycle where you can't stop it anymore. We're in a cycle. Once America rejected the word of God by the way of the prophet messenger, they set themselves in a cycle. Once Israel started to go into their land, it set itself into a cycle. God is going to bring to fulfillment everything that's there. Every nation will be affected. Every person will be affected. We ourselves are affected. That's why we need a hiding place, a resting place. It has to be in Christ. It's not in this church. It's in Christ. That's where we need to be. Now you talk about the judgments that are coming in the earth. Brother Man would speak messages like world falling apart, and we'd sing songs about them. But look at the reality when it starts to happen. It's happening. The world is falling apart. The scriptures, let's just turn quickly. Uh, Brother Dan, just put it up. Isaiah 26, verse 20. Come, my people, enter into the chambers. Shut thy doors about thee. Hide thee, as it were, a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. Now these are scriptures, this was penned by Isaiah. As real as the scriptures said that a virgin will conceive, it had to come to pass. As real as every other, and he says darkness will be over the earth, so is this the eternal word of God. It cannot fail. It's the word to a thousand generations. Job chapter 14, verse 13. Job even sees this and he looks, he says, Oh, that you would hide me in the grave, that you would keep me secret until thy wrath be past, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. So God remembers his covenant, but he remembers his people. He remembers us. Now I'm going to back up a little bit. I, I, you might say you painted a pretty dark picture Brother Ed, I, I, yeah, I realize I did, but I, I need to show both sides of this so that we can have faith for the hour that we live in. Now, God remembers his covenant. When Noah came, uh, was in the ark and the judgments of God were in the earth, the Bible says, and God remembered his covenant. 
And so when he came out, when Noah came out, God set a bow that was over the earth. And he says, no more will I destroy the earth by water. Never again. And friends, you and I, we drive down the road and there's a rainbow. And it's a, and it's a summer day and there's rain. Oh, doesn't that sound so good right now? And, and there's rain and, it's, it's just, and you see that rainbow. You know what that is? That's God telling you, I remember my covenant. I remember my word. I will not go back on my word. It will endure forever. And that rainbow is all seven colors of the light spectrum. Friends, when God came down in this day, a mighty angel with a rainbow over his head, it was a covenant that he said, I will not forget you. I will remember you in the hour of judgment, I will be beside you. God remembers his covenant. Now let me just slow down for a second. Let me just refer to his judgment. Let's go to Exodus 17. <coughs> Let's just follow this one thought through the Bible for a moment. Exodus chapter 17. This is when Israel is in the journey. I'm going to come back to them in a minute. But the people are on a journey. They encounter thirst. They're murmuring. And, people, and God gives them water. Now in verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us out, men. Go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. I, I believe that's the kind of hour we're living in right now. We need to steady one another's hands. If you see a brother that's tired, encourage him. We need to operate as a body more and more. We need to help one another. If you see somebody kind of lagging, pray for them, encourage them, do something for them. And he says, they, his hands were steady. And Joshua discomfited. I, I don't know what that word really means. I don't think it means just he made him uncomfortable. But he discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of a sword. Pretty hard to be comfortable, uncomfortable with the edge of a sword. It's a lot more than that. And now God says this. Now just think, oh, this is a little event that happened along the way. But somehow this struck the heart of God. And God said to Moses... Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. In other words, Moses, I've got a thought regarding what's just happened here. I've seen a vision, and that vision is not going to all be fulfilled, but part of it will be fulfilled in Joshua's time. Now, you write this in a book because when Joshua comes in the land, he's going to need to open that book, he's going to need to read that book, and he's going to need to know my will, he's going to need to know my purpose. That's the same we've got with a message. We pick up a tape, we read it, and we say, that's what you spoke to us, Lord. We're living in that time. Now, just watch how he says this. Rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For what? I will utterly put the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Utterly. Not I'm just going to cover it over with a little bit of dirt. And Moses built an altar... And here it is, an attribute of God. Jehovah Nissi. An attribute where God is going to express part of his sevenfold attributes. And he says, and he says, and he called the name of it, he said, because the Lord has sworn that, that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So he's going to be a fly in the ointment along the way. Tell Joshua because it's going to happen. But I've got an end in mind. I've got a purpose in mind, and I'm going to see it through. And God, when he gave us his word in this generation, God's going to see it through. You know, just, you know, somebody does something wrong, God's judgment, God doesn't always bring judgment the moment somebody does wrong. Sometimes the judgment lingers. 
But God never forgets. Now, let's just follow it through for a moment here. Now, if we pick this up, let's go to Numbers chapter 24. We could take other scriptures, but we'll just take these few to make a point. Verse 16. This is when this hireling prophet by the name of Balaam comes on the scene. And Balak hires him. And, and, you know, even though Balaam says the right words, he's politically correct, but the lure of money became too great. And uh, so he begins to prophesy. And he says, in verse 16, He has said, which heard the words of God, who knew the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob. Do you know that these words are true? These are some of the most beautiful words that were ever penned in the Bible. And it came by the mouth of Balaam. But it was the inspiration of God. It was a channel where God could not go back on his word. And he says, there shall come a star out of Jacob. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Now, it's not just a star and a scepter, but when he comes, he brings judgment with him. And his judgment was, he shall smite the corners of Moab, shall destroy all the children of Sheth, and Edom shall be a possession. Edom and Seir is associated with Esau. If you follow it through, that's another story, but Brother Doug Lentz picked up on that real well when he was here. And Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall, shall he that shall... Shall come he that shall have dominion, and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. And when he looked on Amalek. <laughs> now what did, does God ever forget his word? And when he looked on Amalek, he took up this parable. Amalek was the first of the nation, but his latter end shall he perish forever. God's just reminding them. And he looked on the Canaanites and he took up this peril and said, strong is thy dwelling. I could take this, but it, it actually brings the Canaanites into the picture later. i got to stay with my, my thought. Deuteronomy chapter 25. This is now, 40 years later, they're walking in the wilderness. They're about to possess the land. Moses speaks to the children of Israel and he begins to talk to them in verse 17. And he, he, if you take this whole chapter, it talks about how a man shall, you know, if one strive together, you know, and, and, and you perform the part of a kinsman redeemer and do all these other things. And all of a sudden it breaks into verse 17. Remember what Amalek did unto you by the way. Not just by the way, but by, while you were on the way. When you came forth out of Egypt, how he met you by the way, how he smote the hindmost of you, even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou wast faint and weary, and he feared not God. So there was something about this enemy that God so despised. And he says, therefore it shall be when the Lord has given you rest from all the enemies round about in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Thou shalt not forget it. Now God takes his covenant when I remember, I'm prophesying, I'm reminding you, but now you don't forget it. You keep this in your mind. Don't let it escape you. Listen, when Brother Branham would make certain statements, he says, the angel of the Lord, he says, told us about how we conduct ourselves in a sanctuary. I take heed to that. And he says, mark my words. When he says that, I take heed to that. Amen. Why? It's God telling us. Now I'm putting it in your laps. Don't you forget it. Amen. Thou shalt not forget it. Now, let's just jump ahead. 1 Samuel chapter 15. This is when um, Saul has given, been given his commission by uh, Samuel. And as he gives his commission, he tells them that you're going to go to battle. And when you go to battle, this is what you're going to do. Now, what was happening here? Samuel was picking up on the inspiration that was of God. And he was conveying it to Saul to carry it out. So when we pick this up, 1 Samuel chapter 15, let's start in verse 2. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, 
I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all they have and spare them not, but slay both man and women and infant and suckling and ox and sheep and camel and ass. Friends, when God said, don't have a television, that would also pertain to what we watch on a computer. When God said, kick it out, we need to kick it out. I just, I just heard a wonderful testimony. Brother Paul LaFontaine, he says, you know, we didn't have a television in our house, and you know what that did? It opened the door for us to start singing. It opened the door for gifts to start to multiply. When we start to kick the world out, when we kick these things out, because God hates that, and we need to hate what God hates. He's expecting us. I'll tell you what. There's a man in the Bible named Phineas. You can read it in Psalms 107, but, but Phineas, when he saw the Israelite people, a prince of the people, committing fornication with a Moabite woman, something rose up in him. This is a man who'd been in the Word. This is a man who wasn't looking at the man's position, the man's stature. He was looking at what the Word said. And he took a spear and he went into that tent, and the spear went through both of them. And the Bible says, and I think you can read it in Psalms 107, but it just says, Then stood up Phineas and executed judgment, and so the plague was stayed. You know what the next verse says? And that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations forevermore. Oh, I'll tell you what. God loves it when we take him at his word. When we hate what he hates, when we love what he loves, when we, we are, listen, we are not just Christians and trying to be nice. That's a part of it. There's a time for all of that, but there's a time. I'll tell you what, our God is a man of war. He is not just standing by on the sidelines. We are not in a picnic either. And when God wants to go with something, I want to be right there. I want to follow what he says. So here Samuel and tells this to Saul. Saul goes in and he, he says, go down, destroy the Amalekites. We, we can go down to verse 18. And it says, and the Lord, and then Samuel comes back and he finds the king of the Amalekites there. He finds the sheep, the cattle, everything. And now God begins to speak to Samuel, verse 18. And the Lord sent thee, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them till they be consumed. Now look at what God was holding in his heart from way back then. It went all the way through the land. Actually, I didn't even pick up the parts in Joshua. But it went all the way through the land. And, and he fought them till it comes to Samuel. And, and now Saul, if he could have had the heart that the prophet had, the heart to fulfill the word. And he says, I'm going to fulfill it. But he, he viewed this as a political maneuver. He really didn't have a heart for it. Yeah. Friends, I'll tell you what. The enemy that we are fighting, don't think for a moment that these things that are happening in China, that, it's, that we're just immune, we're somewhere. No, that enemy is coming on Brother Ron Spencer. That enemy is coming into your home, into my home. And you're going to need to pick up the sword. You're going to need to fight him. You're going to need to say, arm your children. You're going to need to go out there. we got a land to possess. And when he comes and puts fear on you, where's my next job coming from? Where's this? It's part of my promise. It's part of my inheritance. I don't know where it's coming from. But he's Jehovah Jireh. He's going to provide. He's going to take care of us. I don't know where it's coming from either. But I'll just say this. He's faithful. He remembers. If he can remember to destroy his enemy, he can remember to protect his own. To take care of his own. So he tells them, I told you to fight them till they, till they be consumed. Verse 20, and Saul said unto Samuel, Saul said unto Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. <laughs> what do you mean you've obeyed the voice of the Lord? I've gone the way that the Lord sent me. And I've brought Agag, the king of Amalek. I'll tell you what, there's going to be people who are deceived the same way. Brother Man would say in the church age book, they'll think when the pressure and the squeeze comes down, it's better to hide yourself as a believer in the multitude, not knowing you're bringing the wrath of God into you. God wants you to stand on his side. Who is on the Lord's side today? Who is standing on the Lord's side today? That's what he's asking. 
Friends, when that hour comes, if we're not built up, if we're not feeding now, is there an urgency to what I'm saying? Absolutely. We are going to battle. We are not standing still. Where did this fight start? When I was in a motel room and they took, me some, took some money from me. That's where it started. And I'll tell you what, it didn't stop yet. The battle is still going. Now listen, let's just, he says this, I've gone and I've brought Agag, the king of the Amalek. I'll tell you, you talk about, he says, and, and, I brought, and I've utterly destroyed the Amalek, Amalekites. And I kept the sheik and the, you know, and Samuel begins to rebuke him and say stubbornness is, as iniquity and idolatry. I'll tell you what, the devil is stubborn. But we can be stubborn too. Stubborn about the word of God. I think that's a good attribute. If, it can, if you can use stubborn in the right way. Okay, let's just back up. Genesis 15. Genesis 15. Now in Genesis 12, God calls Abraham. Tells him, I'll bless you, I'll make a nation of you. Doesn't really say much about what Abraham does and everything, but here in chapter 15, Abraham uh, comes and makes this offering of a heifer, a she-goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He divides them all, and he took them all and divided them in the midst, laid each piece, but the birds he divided not. Now if we go down to, I might come back to that yet today, I'm not sure, but he says in verse 13, and he said to Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom after they shall, after shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall you come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to the fathers in peace, thou shalt be buried in a good age. So he's telling them, this is going to happen to you, but at the end, you're going to come out even more blessed than when you walked into it. Now he makes this statement in verse 16, and I, I, I just think this is, this is tremendous. But in the fourth generation, you'll come hither again. And, and Okay, so it's the fourth generation, but look at the caveat attached to it. The iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. In other words, the wickedness is not bad enough yet. It's got to get a little worse. I don't know how much worse it can get. But associated with our deliverance is also the iniquity and the filth of the world around us. And as this gets worse and worse, friends, this world is not my home. I don't want to... Uh, uh, my, oh, my. I, I, I should have brought this little clip of this choir of seven people singing with all these voices. I just haven't been able to get away from it. I've listened to it, and, and you know, here they sing, and then there's a solo that nobody sang a solo, and the words, I'll tell you what, you talk about a glory. I'll tell you what, everything pales compared to the glory that awaits us. Everything on this earth is so filthy. And I'll say, hey, there's something going to rise in us and say, I'm not of this world. When the bride knows who she is, that's not just a saying. That's got to be a reality. I know who my Redeemer is. I know why I'm here. I know what I've got to do. I'm here on business for the King. And he says, in the fourth generation, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace, a burning lamp went between those pieces now here's the first time actually that God says this to Abraham. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, unto thy seed have I given this land. Now the covenant is associated with inheritance. The covenant God made with us is for a, as a new body, is a heavenly place, but everything that leads us on that journey is a part of it. If a part of it is I've got to claim my family, I claim my family. If a part of it is I've got to have my healing, I'm taking my healing. If a part of it is everywhere our footsteps travel, it's a part of what God gave us. And if I need to have a body change to take a rapture, that's my inheritance. And if I've got to step on a few Amalekites along the way, that's my inheritance. And so he says, unto thy seed have I given this land. And he actually begins to describe it. 
from the river Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Canaanites, the Canaanites, and the Catamites. Triple K. And the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Raphamites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites. So not only does he name the land, but he names the people that are dwelling in that land. And he says, by the way, I'm giving you the land and, and you've got to take care of these few people that are there. Now, this is the vision in God's mind. I really am not going to have a chance to finish this message the way I want, so I'm going to just improvise a bit. But God had this in his mind. Now, he told Abraham... You're going to get this land. I'm going to give it to you. But what he didn't tell Abraham is what he would encounter in his personal life. He was going to encounter not only the king of Sodom, but he was also going to encounter the five kings that came against Lot. Now did that stop Abraham from taking what God gave him? Absolutely not. In fact, inside of Abraham was a seed. A word had been planted that he believed God. I'm telling you, this message is more real to me today than the day I heard it. When my mom gave me a book on the greatest battle ever fought, or the third exodus, or the marriage of the lamb, or, or choosing of a bride, I'll tell you what, those messages are more real today than they were back then. We're living them out. Though the vision tarry, at the end it shall come to pass, and furthermore it shall speak. Who's going to speak? The bride is the final voice. My prayers, your prayers, our words are enduring words. They're not our words. They're God's words. So this is the covenant. Now, he tells him this. It hasn't come to fruition yet. Now, he didn't tell Abraham, you're going to have to fight these kings. You're going to have to do all of this. He actually didn't even tell Abraham when he told him in verse 15 about your seed. I'm not going to go to Genesis 17 today. I won't have time for it. But he didn't tell Abraham. He didn't tell Moses. He didn't tell them when you go. In fact, he makes the vision become clearer when after they've been in the land for 400 years, he comes to Moses and he tells him, and Moses is in a burning bush, and then God tells him, I am come down. I am come down. This was not Brother Branham who came. A mighty angel came down. God came down. In Moses' day, somebody came down. In, in, in Jesus' time, somebody came down. There was a pillar of fire that accompanied every exodus. Now, I'm come down. And he tells them right away in Exodus chapter 3, when you read the commission, he says, you go into Pharaoh. Now, it's like saying... You go into Russia, the, the mightiest nation. You go in and tell them to let my people go. <laughs> he says, I know he won't let you go. But did that stop God from giving the command? He says, you're going to be in Laodicea. It's going to be the most wicked age there ever was. But I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to take you out of this. I'm going to carry you. I'm going to take you forward. So we're not going to be governed by fear. We're governed by the vision. And the vision cannot fail. The vision is what God gave. Now, as part of the first promise is, I'm making a covenant with you. He says to Abraham. And by the way, these other things will be, these circumstances will be in the land. When I make this covenant with you. Hey, I'm going to make this covenant with you in a time like this. When the world is groaning. Not just in terms of the, the earth, but when the people are under fear and gripped by, by all kinds of gloom and doom. And I'll tell you what, you want to you get feeling negative? Go listen to the news for five minutes in the morning. I don't even listen to it anymore. Yeah, there's a few passing articles. But I'll tell you what, we're focused on one thing. He didn't tell when he told, when he told, uh, when he told Moses. He says... He didn't tell him everything. He said, yeah, you're going to meet Pharaoh. But he didn't tell him how many miracles it would take. He didn't tell him how close it would shave his own house. How that the firstborn of his own house would have died if he didn't have a token upon it. But that was still part of the promise. He didn't tell him that as you leave Egypt and you think everything's going to be good, that I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart and he's going to chase after you. He didn't tell him that you're going to be blocked by a Red Sea and circumstances you didn't know, but it didn't change God's promise. There was a land beyond that river. 
He didn't tell them that along the way you're going to meet a Dathan and a Korah. They're going to come and bring an evil report. There's going to be ten spies that are going to give a report. He didn't tell them you're going to meet a false prophet called Balaam, a hireling prophet. He didn't tell them all that, but it didn't change what God had said. It didn't change the circumstances. My, oh, my. God never forgets. Deuteronomy 23. I didn't give you these, Brother Dan, but I'm sure you'll get there before I get there. Deuteronomy 23. Verse 4. You can read the whole account in Numbers chapter 24 about Balaam. We read a part of it already. But now, did God forget that? No. Now as they're going in the land, he tells them. Because they met you not, so he's telling them not to go into the congregation, the Ammonites, the Moabites. He says, because they met you not with bread and water in the way when you came forth out of Egypt... And because they hired against the Balaam, the son of Beor, of Pethor, of Mesopotamia, to curse thee. Nevertheless, the Lord would not hearken unto Balaam. Now, you're talking about an anointed man who was hired, who had all the money. The Lord would not hearken to him. The Lord got into his mouth. The Lord allowed him to prophesy good things. And he says, the Lord, why would he do it? Because the Lord loved thee. Look what it says here. The Lord turned the curse into a blessing unto thee because the Lord thy God loved thee. Listen, we're not just escaping this. We're the apple of God's eye. We're the bride of Jesus Christ. We're the queen. We're the ones that loves his word. We take his word above everything. Now drop, go over to Joshua chapter 13. I... Just to show you how, how God is. Joshua 13. I could have read my, uh, there's so many parts of Joshua I'll come to another service, but if you watch what Joshua does, he goes into a battle, and then when he comes back from the battle, he says, they opened the book and they read from the book. What were they reading from the book for? To catch the heart of God, the mind of God for the day and the hour they were living in. That's what we've got to catch. It's not good enough to say, I got the tapes here, I got the books here, I let, but I want to catch what's on them. I want it to come into me. Now, Joshua chapter 13. This is, this is actually where at the end of this... Okay, where am I here? Okay. Joshua th- chapter 13, let's just pick it up. They're, they're, you can look at their dividing inheritance. They go into a battle... Verse 21, all the cities of the plain, chapter, you know, they're fighting a battle. And then in verse 22, just a little, little word. And Balaam also, the son of Beor, the soothsayer, did the children of Israel slay with the sword among them that were slain by him. It was no accident. God knew exactly where Balaam was. He was going to take care of him for what he did. Now, if God has all this time for his enemies to make sure, how much more time does he have for you and I? How much more does he watch the details of our lives? How much more does he see your groanings? Every tear that falls. How much more does he know all these things? He knows them. And I say this, when you pray, we need to believe what we pray for, not to go and have a pity party, but say, Lord, you're the same God. You're going to march before me. You're going to go before me. Everything will fall in the name of Jesus. We have the victory. God watches over his word. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to find a good place to finish this today. God had a vision right from the beginning when he spoke to Abraham. And he said, you're going to take this land. You're going to, there's these people in the land, but you're going to possess it. God had a vision for Laodicea. He knew it was going to be a, a religious age, a woman's age. And he knew yet that you and I would come out of it. We were in the clay of this word, but he knew that the word that was going to come in us and grow was going to grow so great that out of the most filthy age, he was going to take a bride that was pure and spotless and white. Why? This is the covenant that speaks better things than the covenant that he made with Abel. That was strictly a covenant of judgment. 
But this is a covenant of purification. This is a covenant of where we're going to stand righteous and faultless. And furthermore, we're not only going to stand that way, but God's going to use us to... to, to, to <laughs> I, I tell you what, I, I, I don't know where it came from. I think Brother Harold's used it before. When I was in Africa, and I started talking, and I got onto boxing, and one of the brothers talked about, oh, and then I, I just happened to be in the service, and I started talking about Muhammad Ali. And I said, you know, Muhammad Ali was a great conqueror. And, and you know, I could see a couple of brothers like perked up, you know, because they'd, they'd followed, you know, boxing. And so, he was a great conqueror. He had one of the greatest fights over in, 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 I think it was in Congo, where he fought George Foreman and he was the underdog. He was the older person. George was the, and, and, and you know, and, and Muhammad Ali got into people's minds. And he got into their minds so much, he says, I'm going to dance. I'm going to dance. And he didn't dance. And, and, and he said, what's this guy doing? And, and he would, and, and he actually taught, if you talk in the, in, in, Boxing terms, George Fra Joe, Joe Fraser, when he fought him, he said, he got so in my mind, he says, George, you can't beat me. And he says, I believed it. Joe, Joe said that. He says, and I knew I couldn't. And I knew I'd lost right then. But Muhammad Ali, when he fought this, and he, he finally conquered. And when he conquered, he was tremendous. And he came home that night. He had $5 million. And he came home, and he, his wife met him at the door. She didn't fight an inch. She didn't do anything, but she just simply held out her hands, and she took the money. And I said, he was a conqueror. She was more than a conqueror. I'll tell you what, we didn't conquer anything, but Jesus conquered for us. We are more than conquerors with him who loved us and who watched over us and who still is with us today. Well, I, I'm not going to get into the rest of my thought. Why don't the musicians come? I think I... I, I'm just here to say, I am not laying down for any devil. God bless you, Brother John. Brother John gave a wonderful message to the youth about picking up your sword and fighting. Maybe I picked it. Is that what it was? What was your title? What? Cutting Goliath's head off. Wow. That sounds icky. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. <laughs> we thank God. <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. Stand together. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. This wasn't your Wednesday night average service. Exactly like Brother Jeff prayed. Exactly like the song Brother Ray studied. He says, oh, Christian soldier, pick up your sword and fight. This is where the Lord wants us tonight. That's where he wants us to go. It's not a time to sit down. No, it, you might have a recliner and an easy chair. I got one at home. I love it. Sometimes when I'm tired, I just... Go over there, read a book, and my wife knows what's going to happen already. She knows that once I hit a certain recline level, there's no coming back. But I'll tell you what, this is no time to recline. The devil that we face, he's defeated. Do you know that? There was this, I don't know who it was, this Brother Wayne or somebody was telling the story. They said this man was walking and he came past an alley and there was a dark shadow and a deep voice. Give me your money. And the man like fear went into him. Give me your money. You, and and he, said, he started to grip and he started to reach. And he said about that time a car light went back and cross and it saw this guy with, in handcuffs. And he says, and he, and he was chained with his feet. All he had was a voice. He didn't have no hands. He didn't have no feet. He didn't have no means to overcome him. His only weapon was fear. That's the devil's only weapon. He's a defeated foe. He cannot win. He cannot beat cancer. He cannot beat whatever your trouble is. He can't stop the bride of Christ. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Let's sing it. The name of the Lord is a strong tower.
Be the name. 